Crawl Space. I'm Tim, joined today here by Lance. What's up, Lance? Oh, what's going on? I'm feeling pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. There's a lot going on. Yep. Uh, this is Thanksgiving weekend, so first and foremost, just want to say thank you and happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. We really appreciate every single one of you. Exactly. You know, sit around your table with your family, your friends, and I know a lot of people do the night before thing with some old friends from high school. Try not to talk about serious stuff, you know, talk about stuff that people are going to laugh at and, you know, just have a good time. Take these next couple of days and, you know, decompress a bit. While you're listening to this, of course. Of course, while you're listening to Crawl Space, Empty Frames, and Missing More Murray. We wanted to bring you episode one of season two of Empty Frames. Sort of do a a cross-promotion here with our other podcast, Empty Frames, which season one, of course, was about the 1990 art heist of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, We did 12 episodes on that, and now we're back exclusively on Stitcher Premium for Season 2 for six months, and then it'll be on the public Apple feed and everywhere else. And if you want to hear Season 1, that has been taken off of the Apple Podcasts feed. You will need to listen to that on Stitcher. Which isn't a big deal. No, you might as well download it. Exactly. What are you doing? Switch platforms. Yeah, just check it out. Yeah, if you want to hear it, we're talking about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. Listen to it Season 1 on Stitcher. So if I haven't heard this, and I'm listening to you tell me this as a a layman, as they say. A lame man, is that what you said? A layman. Oh, okay. What I do, if I want to hear Season 1 of Empty Frames, I go exclusively to Stitcher. And I can listen to season one of Empty Frames. That's right. Okay. And if, if I want to listen to what's out there right now for season two and future season two episodes, I go to Stitcher Premium. That's right. And perhaps there is some sort of promotion, some sort of incentive for me to go. Nailed it, Lance. Oh. Use promo code FRAMES when you sign up for Stitcher Premium and you'll get a free month. So if you do this free trial after that, it's only four ninety nine a month. Great deal. Great deal. They have comedy albums. They have uh, exclusive shows. True Crime Garage has their own separate show. It's a Stitcher premium only show called Off the Record that they both do. It's a really fun listen, and there'll be more, too. So just stay tuned for the uh, the world that is Stitcher. So here today is episode one of season two of Empty Frames, which we are talking about. It's a really fascinating story of art recovery, Lance, and it's unique And it's not about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. It's about a heist done in 1985 from the University of Arizona Museum of Art. And it was a heist performed by a very unassuming couple, Jerry and Rita Alter. Rita Alter distracted the guard while Jerry Alter went upstairs and cut the de Kooning woman ochre painting out of its frame, rolled it up. They hit the road. This was done... On November 27th, so we're coming up to the anniversary of the of the theft, and the recovery story is even more fascinating than the actual theft itself. It's wild. It, it plays out like a Coen Brothers movie. It really does, and even the characters involved, Coen Brothers couldn't write characters that are, that are better suited for their storylines. That's right. So we figured we would bring this to you guys. We, we thought this was a, a, an episode, a story that our Crawl Space listener base would really enjoy. So that is why we're bringing that to you. And if you want to subscribe to Stitcher Premium, it is in your best interest. And you can use promo code FRAMES for that free first month. Exactly. And the season two, we've been saying, is sort of a bridge season in between the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist and season three. And to be frank, I was a little nervous about it because we had to end season one abruptly due to some unforeseen circumstances. Well, we did a really good job regrouping. We gathered ourselves 
pulled our bootstraps up again. I see your bootstraps are on nice and tight. And we found some really cool cases that have to do with art theft, significant moments in the art community, and significant colorful characters in the art world. And the next few episodes, the next five episodes, all of them are just uh, just rich with stories. Okay, so subscribe now over at Stitcher Premium. And, of course, download the Stitcher app. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your holiday weekend. March 18, 1990, the most audacious art heist of all time took place at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Check out Season 1 of Empty Frames for a 12-episode dive into the Gardner heist. This season, we will be exploring other art crimes and significant moments in the art world before returning to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. This is Empty Frames. Welcome to Empty Frames, episode one of season two. I'm Tim, half of your hosting team. I sit here in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown, Massachusetts. What's up, Lance? How's it going today? It's going great. It's been a while. We're, we're back in the saddle here. I know. It feels good to be talking about fine art again. It does. And while we won't be talking specifically about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist, we will be uh, exploring other other heists, other significant moments in the art world. And, and, uh, and the first one that we have today is such a good one. It really is. But let's back it up first. We ended season one abruptly, and we're aware of that. Um, and, and so we got a lot of questions. Why, why, where is episode 13? I believe we promised, uh, that we were going to do 13 episodes. We ended up only doing 12, kind of a long story. Uh, not exactly something that we're going to share right now, maybe at a, at another date, but just because we haven't delivered any podcast episodes since the summer and we sit here now in, uh, near the end of the year of 2018, just because we haven't delivered any episodes doesn't mean there wasn't anything going on, Lance. Well, as we know, when you do things like this, when you explore cold cases and open cases, sometimes a, a bit of reality comes into play, and we got a bit of reality when we were talking about the Isabella Stewart Garden Museum heist, and it just seemed like the safer bet to end at 12, episode 12, and reassess yeah. the situation and what the what the more important and safe thing to do would be. Exactly, so yeah. We yeah. were in that assessment phase, and we, we still wanted to provide Empty Frames as a series, so so that's what we're doing now. There is some stuff going on in the background, though. Yeah, it really is amazing. If you don't do a podcast, you'd probably be shocked to know the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes, especially when you're not even in production uh, with that podcast. So that's uh, that was kind of a, a slap in the face to, uh, to both of us, I'd say. Or maybe some cold water. I don't say slap in the face. Uh, cold water thrown upon us. Yeah, dose of reality in the <laughs> yeah. form of uh, cold water. Yeah. The metaphorical yeah. form of cold water. Mm-hmm. So today, Lance, for episode one of what we're kind of calling a bridge season, this is technically season two, but we're only doing six episodes. Let's hope we don't stop at five. 
but uh, but we're doing six, and right now I think what we're doing is kind of veering away a little bit from the Gardner heist. We're we're taking a broader look at art crime, and with the Gardner heist in mind, always in our minds. And we intend to get a little bit closer back towards the Gardner heist in our next season, season three, which will be longer than six episodes. So this episode, Lance, we are talking about the stolen de Kooning painting. Right. The Woman Ochre. That is a painting that was done by the abstract expressionist artist Wilhelm de Kooning. And for those of you who don't know, it was stolen way back. Uh, the anniversary of that theft is November 27th. And it was returned by three very genuine gentlemen. Yeah, and so it was stolen in 1985, and the painting was uh, made in 1954 and 1955. So it's not a terribly old painting, um, but the it had been stolen from the University of Arizona Museum of Art in Tucson back in 1985. And it was stolen by a very unassuming couple, and we talk a little bit about them during this interview coming up. Jerry and Rita Alter, who you wouldn't know by these pictures that you see of them out there now, you'd never know that these two people were responsible for such a significant art heist. Allegedly responsible, Lance. And they were both school teachers. And so they passed away in 2012 and 2017. And they lived in Cliff, New Mexico, a very small town in New Mexico. And that is where today's story begins, because the fine gentleman at Manzanita Ridge Furniture and Antiques of Silver City, New Mexico, purchased the estate that was for sale from the altars. And with that estate came this very famous painting. Which is something that they do. That's their job. They have this antiques and furniture store. And we're talking about David Van Ocker, Buck Burns, and Rick Johnson. They go to these estate sales, and they, they put a, a, a flat price on everything inside there. They bid on it. And I believe they bid on this one for $2,000, and they got the entire estate, including this, this almost priceless uh, woman ochre by de Kooning. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about the robbery, Lance, is uh, that the painting was cut out of the frame. So the frame actually hung in the museum on the walls, empty, uh, just like the Gardner Museum, for many years. And it was quite a moment when they matched up the, and you'll hear it in the interview, when they matched up the cut from the what's left in the frame from the painting to the actual painting, and that's that was pretty much what sealed the deal for them, that this was the, the original that the was stolen. stolen. Yeah, and by all accounts, a very emotional moment for everyone in the room. I got chills. I think I we too. say it. I got yeah. chills when they were talking about it. Yeah. So these uh, this couple, this man and woman who stole the painting, they were in the museum for about 15 minutes before uh, leaving in a rust colored car. And uh, it's it's a pretty wild story if these are the real thieves. And and it does seem like they are. But there's no definitive word, I guess, on that at this point. Other, I mean, you have the composite sketch that's pretty accurate you have the painting in their home so we we can say allegedly but it's pretty it's it's kind of hard to imagine anyone else stole the painting at this point it matches all of the the uh, descriptions that, yeah. that they match but it was uh it, it is it is really if anyone hasn't seen the picture just google their names it you'd never put their faces i keep coming back to this because it you'd never know who's a criminal it just blows my mind yeah there is a wonderful picture of Jerry and Rita Alter um, just smiling and about to drink some wine. And we talk about it a little bit in the interview. So uh, you'll want to check that one out. 
Okay, so thank you very much. We hope you enjoy this interview with David and Buck. We'll be back in two weeks with more Empty Frames. Please follow us on Twitter at Empty underscore Frames. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Empty Frames Podcast. Welcome to Empty Frames. We are being joined by Buck Burns and David Von Ocker. How are you guys today? Good. We're good. Yeah, like we said, we are, we're cold, but we're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit chilly in New Mexico. Is that what we're, uh, what we're hearing? Yeah, Silver, yes. Silver City, New Mexico. Yep. Silver City, New Mexico. And why is it that we are speaking to you folks? This probably oh. is uh, something our <laughs> listeners are like, What's going on with this? Who are these guys? Well, one, we're awesome. <laughs> um, Agreed, two, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> two, uh, we found a painting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes, please do continue. So, uh, yeah, David, you want to... Go ahead. Uh, well, back in uh, beginning of August of 2017, uh, Buck and I and our other business partner, Rick, um, purchased uh, an estate in a little town called Cliff, little town in the middle of nowhere, population of probably 200. Um, and when we went out there and started taking a look at stuff and photographing and inventorying what we were purchasing, there was a painting hidden behind a bedroom door. And um, we kind of liked it for ourselves. We were going to take it home with us. Um, so we included it in the purchase price of the furniture and other things, um, brought it into Silver City, took it off the truck, and immediately customers started saying that they thought it was an, a real Willem de Kooning painting. Okay. I, I just want to take a step back real quick. What, sure. brought you, what brought you to this estate sale, and what business do you run? We own a um, furniture store, and we deal in decorative items. We deal in art and antiques as well. And uh, we received a phone call from the nephew of the owners of the home that had recently passed away. And he called us from Houston, Texas, and uh, asked if we would go out and take a look and, and purchase the contents of the home. Okay, and don't be shy. What's the name of your furniture store? We are Manzanita Ridge Furniture and Antiques. Very good. Very good. And is that something that happens a lot? You guys purchase uh, estate sale uh, type belongings? Yes. Yeah, yeah we do it. Uh, we used to do it really regularly. Now we just do it here and there. We actually tried to refer this estate to somebody else um, who was tied up. So uh, uh, we ended up taking it kind of you know, begrudgingly. So, <laughs> so luckily though. <laughs> so he called you, the nephew of the altars yes. called you. Is that something that normally happens? You get called about these estates or is that how you find out about them? Yeah. We either get calls from family members or real estate uh, agents. One of the two. Yeah. Okay. And so when you tried to turn this over, was that during that phone call or, or you called a, uh, a, some kind of uh, colleague uh, after that call? I, I actually called a colleague after the phone call um, she, uh, 
really wasn't interested in it. And then when I called um, uh, Mr. Roseman back, he just he said he just didn't he didn't want to have an estate sale or anything like that. He just wanted us to go and just take everything. And and he kind of intrigued me because he he said the home was full of some really high end mid century modern furniture, um, which turned out to be not quite true. It was it was mid century, but it wasn't really high end. But um, but that's what finally got me to do it was, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be some really, really good stuff. OK, so we got the the call that puts you at the estate. You're you're going through all of the material and you see this painting. That's yes, that's it's not so much. It's you could say it was hidden. It was behind a door in the bathroom, right? Like on the wall behind the door. It was actually hung behind the master bedroom door. Oh, the yes. master bedroom so the, door. Okay. Yes, yes, sir. So if the if the door was open, you would never see the painting. Okay, right. that's interesting. And and you saw it. And your first impression of this was, um, I actually i i i kind of found it accidentally. Um, we normally wouldn't have shut the door, but um, the way the the furniture was positioned, there was a a dresser that had a, a piece of it removed and setting so that the bedroom door was touching it. So I had to move the, close the bedroom door to, to get that piece out. And so I was down on my knees and I looked up and I saw the painting and my instant first impression was it was a print. Okay. And um, yeah. And then as I stood up, I could see the kind of waves in the canvas and the cracks in the paint. And that's when I realized that it was a real painting and I kind of liked it. I didn't love it. But I, I kind of liked it, and um, Buck was in the room across the hall uh, inventorying that stuff, and so I called him in, and I said, hey, come take a look at this and, and tell me if you like it. And he said, yeah, I do. And so I said, okay, great. We'll take it home. And and that was it. You know, We didn't think anything more about it for the next day. Did you pay for it there, or how, did this, how does that work? We actually, we uh, inventoried everything. We... Um, Came home, uh, totaled totaled the estate out. I called Mr. Roseman with my offer, and he said, great. And we dropped a check in the mail and um, went back out to pick up the stuff. Okay, so you bring it back to your uh, furniture store, and you put it on display for the public to see, for, for to, to sell it? <laughs> um, I, I brought it in out of the truck. Um, it was actually packed on top of some... Uh, uh, African spears and uh, uh, and that kind of stuff. The, the room that I was actually inventorying was full of African um, art. art and antiquities and what have you. And uh, so I brought the painting in and leaned it up against one of the beams in the store um, just to bring it in. Yeah, just to get it out of the way. Um, first customer through the door was a gentleman who had, I guess, saw the uh, the woman series by de Kooning mm-hmm. um, in New York, I believe. So when he walked in, he recognized the style and said, uh, he knelt down in front of the painting and I was at his shoulder and he went to scratch the painting and, and I, he scratched it a little bit and he said, is this real? And I grabbed him by his wrist and I said, if it is, I'd prefer you not touch it. <laughs> um, in our line of business, we get a lot of prints and a lot of what I call touch prints. Um, so that's actually what I thought it was. I never in my mind thought I would have an original so um, he came in, he did that, and he uh, assured us that we needed to do a little bit more research on it. And I told him, yeah, we will. Um, we have a whole estate to move in, and uh, we'll get to it. Yeah, we, we kind of just blew it off. We really didn't take him serious. That's, that's how it started. So at this point, you, you, like you said, you didn't really take it that serious. It was not on your radar as uh, something that you just recovered 
uh, that that had been stolen, right? It, there was nothing that was giving you a red no, flag about yes. it. We had no idea what we had, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, something that I would love to stress in this is uh, when we even purchased the contents of the estate, we had no idea. Yeah, it was it was a little old lady and a little old man, you know, in their in their eighties, who would you know who, we certainly wouldn't think they were international art thieves, you know. So, <laughs> and in in a small little town of two hundred in the middle of nowhere, right. You know? Hanging their, uh, I know their prized treasure behind I, their bedroom door. I gotta right. say, one of my one of my favorite things about this story, uh, aside from the fact that we can laugh about it because it's been returned, is the pictures of of Jerry and Rita Alter. Uh, this picture of them that is that's just been circulating uh, the day before they absolutely <laughs> the day yeah. before they did the heist. It's Thanksgiving yep. and they're toasting, and they just yes. like you they. They just look so normal. They look really happy. They look happy. They're sitting at, at grandma's table, you know, <laughs> and with, with the kids and the nieces and nephews. And yeah. I mean, his shirt is buttoned all the way up. Yeah, completely yep. to the top. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even drunk a sip yet of their wine. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. You can't write this. Yeah. No. So, so what happened next? A few minutes later, another customer comes in and uh, she looks at it and she said, I think this is real. And of course, we chuckled um, and she said, you guys really need to to research this, you know, and and of course, we're still thinking, yeah, right, because we hear this all the time with stuff, you know, we've done this for 30 years. So, you know, people are always telling us we found treasures. Well, then over the course of the next few hours, the first gentleman came back several times and um, wanting to know if we found out yet because he wanted to buy it. And, um, you know, and I'd say, no, I haven't had a chance. And he, he would say, well, look it up because I'm serious. I want to buy it. I, I have people who will forward me the money. I believe it's real. And he said, it could be worth a couple hundred thousand to a couple million. He said, but you really need to find out. Um, and so, you know, now we're kind of, eh. But then when the third person came in and basically did the same thing. And I, she was very excited and she photographed the painting and said it, you know, that she was going to go home and see what she could find out about that time. We thought, you know, maybe there might be something to this. And that's when Buck took the painting and locked it in our bathroom. <laughs> oh, that's where I got the bathroom. I, yeah. I remember reading something about the, yeah, I conflated those two details. You got to understand silver city is it's pretty small. And we, you know, everybody knows everybody here. So the rumor mill immediately yeah. went rampant through town. Yeah. So we had all these people coming in looking for this possible real de Kooning painting. Um, the only door in our store that locks is the bathroom. Right. So I wrapped it in a packing blanket and locked it in the bathroom just and then told people I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Where in the bathroom? Like uh, like under under the sink or was that <laughs> up uh, against the wall near the toilet? Yeah, right by the toilet. Wow. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, because all of a sudden, if the entire town knows that you may have this incredibly valuable piece of art, you're kind of a mark at that point. Right. Ex- exactly. Well, and, and mind you, um, people understood that it was it could be potentially a real de Kooning at that point and that it had some value to it. We didn't understand to what extent that was. Right. And we still and of course, nobody still knew that it was stolen. Right. So. You know, oh, stolen. right. Right. Yeah. So we kept ur- I, Dave, Rick and I kept urging David to do the research. But whenever we get an estate in at the store, we will typically park our vehicle out front that is carrying the estate items and that causes a stir in town and everybody wants to come in to see what we have. So we have all these people coming in and David's exceptionally busy and I'm exceptionally busy as is Rick. So at one point 
I got to the computer and I typed in uh, de Kooning and then hit images under Google search. And the intent behind that was to have the images pop up when the computer went to sleep and then David woke it back up again. It would be right in front of his face to remind him, <laughs> yeah, to look it up. Yeah, to do it. Look it up. <laughs> good, good move. Yeah, yeah. Which is what happened. That's what happened. Okay, so you had the, did you have this painting uh, up there as, as, the, uh, as the image? No, that, that wasn't until much later. <laughs> well, oh. What ended up happening was we had, a, we had a little bit of a lull around lunchtime. And so it was only the three of us in the store and then our friend Kathy. And so I sat down and I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll do a little research. And the, the other lady that was pushing us, she brought me back a list of different paintings and what they sold for. And she said, you need to look up the de Kooning Society. Well, there is no de Kooning Society. What she meant was we needed to look up the de Kooning Foundation. I started Googling the de Kooning Society, and since it wasn't there, I went four pages into Google looking, and that's when I came across, uh, I saw a little uh, header saying, um, you know, stolen, paint, mystery of stolen painting, you know, 30 years ago or something like that, and it said Arizona, which is where I'm from, so I, I just randomly kind of clicked on it, and as soon as I clicked on it, the image came up, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, this can't be. And so I called <laughs> into the front room and I, I called Rick and Kathy and I said, come in here. And uh, Buck and, and Kathy ended up coming in and I said, is this the painting we have? And they both said, well, it sure looks like it. So Buck went into the bathroom and got it and we brought it out and we put it on the desk next to the computer and blew it up. And sure enough, it was the painting. We, we knew it wasn't a copy. We knew yep. it was it. It was it. What was it about it that you knew it it wasn't a copy or it wasn't a, a good replica? Someone had painted a, a replica. Well, the first giveaway to me was in the in the um, Anne Ryman story in the Arizona Republic. They talked about the painting being rolled up. Well, when the painting was in the house, I noticed these creases in it, and I I just assumed because the altars were world travelers that they had bought this painting maybe in Europe, rolled it up in a tube and sent it home. So my first thought was it was, had been rolled up. So that was the first clue. But then we blew up the picture off of the Internet and started comparing splatters and drips. And there just was no way that, that those could be faked. And so we were, by the time we called the museum, we were 100% sure that we, we had the real painting. Okay, so at that point, you you guys were probably like, cha-ching, popping <laughs> bottles of Cristal. No, honestly, no. No, more, it was more wah-wah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, so, okay, so you guys did the right thing. So you called the museum? What? We called the museum. They were the first yep. phone call was to the museum. Yeah. And we, had to, we took a minute or two to kind of get ourselves together because we didn't want to sound like idiots. Right. Well, the University of Arizona Art Museum, actually, yeah. is where the painting was uh, stolen from. So we... Um, David had said to me, what do, you, what do I do? And I said, we call the museum. And uh, he says, how do I get that number? I said, Google it. <laughs> you have the computer, Google it. <laughs> so that's how it started. Yeah. And so we, uh, we made the phone call and uh, got a, a receptionist. And she asked how she could help us. And I said, I think I have a piece of art that was stolen from you guys. And she said, what piece of art? And I said, the de Kooning. And there was this silence and then she said um hold please and put up hold <laughs> and uh then the next thing you know i was on the phone with uh, the curator olivia miller and um you know and i i kept saying to her i 
I don't want to sound like a crazy person, but you know, I have this hundred million dollar painting here in my store. And um, so Olivia started asking us to, you know, send her pictures. She didn't assume it was a prank. I think she, well, according to her, she said she took me seriously immediately. Oh, okay. Uh, but they have gotten many, many phone calls over the years that about this painting that weren't real. But she, she said there just was something, uh, there was something in my voice that she, she just knew that that this could very well be the real thing. Yeah, we actually found out later that the, when the receptionist, I believe, that went in to talk to Olivia before the call was transferred through. Her words were, um, he doesn't sound crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other words that, and I, I, I love the visual of this happening, was another line that was stated during this transition of, of David getting on the phone with Olivia was, uh, the girl said to Olivia, is, is this going to be a day that we remember for the rest of our lives? And Olivia said, yeah, I think so. Wow. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So how did the return go down? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> this is this is some of the stuff that's not been out in the media. We had to, oh, we nice. had to, yeah, we had to keep a lot of this quiet for over a year because of the FBI. But they they have now uh, concluded the you know and finished the case, so we're we're allowed to talk about a lot more stuff. Oh please, <laughs> but, Can, uh, does it does it involve? Here's where my mind's going, and I hope I'm I hope I'm right. Does it involve like people who look like you guys going in different directions and decoys and and <laughs> like cars that I, are tinted windows almost as good all i can say but i'll i'll let david tell us that part of the story but all i could say was it is not as easy as you think to give back a painting worth over a hundred million dollars yes why, why is that well i i think what it was was nobody understood or nobody took seriously that we wanted nothing for it that we felt that this was ah. stolen and it needed to go back to its owner yeah i still don't believe you we And everybody, I think everybody thought that we were going to pull the trigger at some point or we were going to, you know, do something, which we weren't. um, But that kind of caused some delays and some things. But but what ended up happening was um, we spoke to the museum. We spoke to Olivia. And then uh, we probably we exchanged pictures for about 15, 20 minutes and texts. And then it went dead. It went silent. Um, the last, my last text to Olivia, um, she had asked for a picture of the back of the painting. And I, uh, we texted back, um, well, there's Masonite screwed to it. And so her final response was, oh, okay, thank you. And then hours went by with nothing. And I'm thinking, you know, if I was a museum that's just three hours away and you know, these people called with this hundred plus million dollar painting, I'd be in the car immediately. Um, we weren't getting phone calls. The FBI wasn't calling us. The museum wasn't calling us. They weren't returning our calls. How long did that go on for? Uh, well, come five o'clock, our store closes and we hadn't heard anything. So I'm like, what in the hell do we do now? <laughs> so we, uh, you know, I didn't want to leave the painting in the store because like you said, word gets around and, you know, somebody's going to kicked the door in. So we wrapped it in a blanket and I took it home and I put it behind my sofa. I started making some phone calls. I, I, I called, um, the reporter Ann Ryman, got her voicemail, um, left her a message that I read her article. And I think I have the painting. 
and the museum's not calling me back and the FBI isn't calling me. You know, I don't know what to do. I didn't get a phone call back from her. I basically, for the next few hours, just sat in my living room with the soap, with the uh, painting behind me, sweating. And my mind started then playing games with me. The paranoia started happening. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Yeah, tell us where that took you. You know, nobody's calling me back. And so, you know, one of the, one of the funny ones was uh, I thought, you know, the only person I actually spoke to was this Olivia Miller person. And, uh, you know, what if she's on the phone with her boyfriend saying, I know where the de Kooning is and nobody else knows. And let's go over to Silver City and, you know, Jeff Galooling me, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> shooting me or something. Nice. Um, so that one went through my head and, uh, you know, all of this stuff. So anyway, about um, about nine o'clock at night, I thought I reread the article and there was a, a little just a little sentence in there about the fbi's art theft team so i got out the computer and i googled that looked them up got on their website and i thought i'll give them a call well there was no phone number on their website to call them the only thing you could do is you could send them an email so i typed out this email you know i've got this painting and you know somebody needs to get a hold of me i hit send and i thought i'll get a phone call within 20 minutes yeah another four yeah another four or five hours go by now it's about one o'clock in the morning. I'm not sleeping. Right. Um, I have a gun on my lap because I think some meth head's going to kick my door in and cut my throat. <laughs> wow. This guy's going to kick my door in. You know, somebody's going to kick my door in. <laughs> Your door's getting kicked in. And uh, yeah, and all I'm hearing are crickets. So um, I get a hold. I, I finally decide I'm just going to call the one of the local branches. So I I uh, call the Albuquerque FBI. And I get this guy who I obviously interrupted him because he was not happy to talk to me. And he was all, yeah, sure, right, you know. Um, and I'm trying to convince him that I have this painting. So finally he transfers me. And I think he transfers me to um, Washington. And the guy I get on that end for the first few minutes is kind of the same. So finally I told him, I said, look, can you pull up a picture on your computer and he says yes so i give him the the link to the article and he pulls it up and i said see that painting there and he said yes i said i'm looking at that right now it's in my living room <laughs> and then he got kind of excited so um he took down all the information where we got it you know the address of the home it came from where i am who i am and then he told us whatever you do don't leave it at your home and don't take it back to your store so what do you bury it well yeah that was it that was like okay so about seven o'clock in the morning i call our other partner to come down with the truck after no sleep after no sleep at all and every noise that we heard you know just sent us through the roof um so we threw it in the back of the truck and we drove around silver city looking for some place to put this painting and um nobody everyone i called no one was home i called my attorney he was out for surgery I called a friend of ours who who used to own an art gallery. Um, couldn't get a hold of her. We called and called and called. Nobody was answering. So finally, uh, I drove it to another friend's house. They weren't home, but they live a few doors down from an acquaintance of ours who's another attorney. So I th- thought he'll know what to do. So we drove it to his house, and he came out, you know, uh, with his cup of coffee, and he said, "So yeah." 
think you found a painting, huh? <laughs> and I hand him the, a copy of the article, and then I take the painting out, and it's got the blanket around it. I, I open it up like a flasher, you know, and I just flash <laughs> in the painting. And he looks at it, he looks at the article, and he's like, okay, bring it in. And um, so we, we took it into his office, um, and he put it in his conference room, and he tried uh, calling the university. Nobody, he called the president's office of the university. Uh, he called the museum. Nobody wanted to talk to him. So again, I'm thinking, this is just really weird. You can't give this thing away at this point. I can't. Nobody nobody wants to talk to us we about it. We were trying. I we mean, were even, trying. Even while we were searching for a safe place to put it, because that was the last thing the FBI said was, you know, don't take it to the local police station. Don't take it to your store. Find a safe place for it. So I immediately started thinking, let's take it to our bank. Let's have them lock it in the vault. Good call. Right. Yeah. So, uh, which is what we ended up, we ended up going to our bank a little bit later that afternoon, but... But um, that morning, still at the, the attorney's office, you know, his um, his assistant is pulling up all this information off the Internet and finding tons of stuff on this this particular painting and the theft. And so finally, um, the FBI also told us to go back to the store and do business as usual. You know, <laughs> uh, if people ask sure. about it, just blow it off. What painting? Yeah. yeah. What, what painting? What painting? Just shoo, shoo away the guy who came back four or five times yeah. uh, the exactly. day before. <laughs> That's exactly what was going and on. And he did come yeah. back. Yeah. Um, did you tell him surprised. Did you tell him that you sold it? You're like, oh, no, we well, let that go for 20 bucks. That's right. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks we let it go for. <laughs> um, well, he actually came in at one point, and he's, he was talking to Rick, and he said, did you find out about that painting yet? And this is before we knew any of this. This was the first day. Um, and, uh, one of the, one of the comments he said was, uh, I heard Rick say, no, we haven't looked it up yet. And so he said, um, well, you know, I'm interested in buying it. And I heard that and I said, well, just make an offer then. And he said 200,000. And I said, sold. Cause I figured he was pulling my leg. Yeah. But anyway, um, so the next day he did come in a few more times, but, um, the, the rest of that day we went to a bank, our bank. They didn't want to take it at first. First, they didn't believe us. Then, then when he did, they really didn't want to take it. Um, he finally agreed that if the university would sign uh, a waiver of you know responsibility, that he would put it in the vault until they could get over here. So, um, right about that time, my phone rings, and it's an intellectual properties attorney from Albuquerque wanting me to hire him. And he starts telling me that we're not giving the painting back. And I was like, what? Um, yeah, it's yours. He now, said, right? <laughs> he, he's, he's telling me that um, we don't have to give the painting back because it hasn't been determined that it's the real thing yet. We will hire our own experts. And he said, I'm going to get you guys lots of money for this. And it, it just pissed me off. So I told him, no, we're giving the painting back. Um, he basically called me stupid, you know, and said, you don't understand. You don't understand. You're being emotional. You don't understand. Um, you have certain rights to this. Uh, we just have to find out what those rights are. And he said, but no matter what, I guarantee you, the state of Arizona will gladly give you a million dollars just to keep this out of the court system. And I forget what I called him, but I called him something and hung up the phone. It sounds like a parasite. Yeah, he's he. I I still have his number in my phone because I didn't catch his number, so so I didn't lose it. I typed in ambulance chaser. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it was. Ugh. So I I went back to 
our acquaintance, the attorney, and he, turns out he was the one who called this guy. Um, I told him that the bank was willing to take the painting now, and he said, oh, no, 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 I finally got a hold of the university, and they don't want us to move it. They want it left right here. And I thought, well, you know, that's kind of odd. You know, you don't have, uh, you know, a fire suppression system. You don't have a vault. I would think they would want it moved, you know, a quarter of a mile to a secure location. But okay, if that's what the university says, which turns out to not be true, that he lied to me about that. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah. Why? But that, that's when the lies started. Wow. So um, throughout the day, I didn't know what was going on with his conversation with the university, but he was representing himself as our attorney. Just out there uh, on his own? On his own. Oh, man. He just, yeah. We, he, we never hired anybody. We, no. So um, anyway, what finally happens is the ambulance chaser from Albuquerque calls me three or four more times. <laughs> I finally get so frustrated that I call Olivia, the curator of the museum who is not returning any of my phone calls. And I left her a voicemail where I was freaking out. And I told her, look, I am being bombarded by people who want us to keep this painting from you. They want us to hold it uh, for ransom. They don't want us to turn it over to you. I'm telling you right now on a recording that we are giving this painting back. We want zero dollars for it. We don't want a reward. We don't want uh, finder's fee. We just want to give it back. Please have the university's lawyers call me or call me back. And I hung up the phone and within two minutes she called me back. Now we didn't know what was going on on their end. Of course, you know, they had a war room going on, uh, there and we didn't know that they were being told not to talk to us by the FBI. But when Olivia got that message, she went in and she played it for them and they said, Oh yeah, you need to call him back. Why would the FBI say don't talk? Like, of course you're going to be going out of your mind. Yeah, what's the strategy there? I think what it is is, is people didn't, and see, some people still don't understand that we just wanted to give it back. Oh, well, right. And the F yeah, and what yeah. was happening with the FBI, which we now know because we've now heard both ends, um, the main FBI agent, basically what she said was, um, when we made the first phone call, was, yeah, these guys want to give it back now. But, you know, after a few hours when they realize they've got a hundred million dollar painting, um, they may take off. They may, you know, skip, skip out of New Mexico. They may hide it. They may destroy it. You oh. know, you don't know. Yeah. You may just like like flash it to uh, to someone at the airport and you can just you just take a private plane for free. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so so their their recommendation, of course, was for the museum to have no contact with us. Until this final thing when I told her that lawyers were bombarding us and they figured maybe it was a good idea. Um, but that's when they decided they were going to come over um, that day. They were getting ready to leave right then. And uh, and then it got worse. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> I called the attorney and I said, the museum is coming over to pick the painting up. And he said, well, I'm, I'm having my brother and sister-in-law over for a barbecue and you know, as long as they don't mind that, you know, kind of a thing. So I, I went home, took a quick shower. I drove to the attorney's house and walked in on about 14 people. And um, <laughs> it it was interesting. Uh, he had me tell everybody the story. So I told him the story and I said, the museum's coming to pick it up. 
Well, then it got even weirder. I get a text from Olivia saying something about, um, you know, because she's basically she's texting me where they are, you know, on their way over. And so I get this phone call from her saying, um, you know, the, that the law enforcement is coming just to, you know, escort us. Right. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. And she said, oh, OK, because I understand that they're not welcome there. And I thought, what? But and then then the next thing I get seconds later is Buck calls me because I'm, I'm down the street at a friend's house. And he said, you need to get back here. Um, the lawyer is saying that the uh, he's not going to allow law enforcement onto his property. And I'm thinking, OK. And I, as soon as I hang up with him, my phone rings again. And it's our third partner, Rick. And he said, they're planning on keeping the painting and making the university uh, give them money. And so I immediately went back to the attorney's office, um, walk into uh, one of the one of the guests that was there from our local university. And he looked at me with his big smile and said, guess what? We're not giving the painting back. We're going to get the University of Arizona to give us fifty thousand dollars towards a new uh, art wing for our university here. And I looked at him and I said, who in the hell are we? And <laughs> and I said, that's my painting. I'm the legal owner of it now, and I'm running this rodeo. And I Good. said, where is he? Meaning the attorney. And, and so he said, he's in his office. So Buck and I went into his office, and I said, what is this, what is this that I hear that you're not allowing the police here and, and law enforcement? He, and he said, well, I just don't feel comfortable with them coming, and you need to rethink this. Um, I don't think we should give the painting back. You need to think about it. And I said, no, we're giving it back. And he just kept going on. So finally, I, I stood up and I said, where is it? And um, he didn't answer me. So I walked to the conference room where it had been before, and the door was locked. It's time to, time to kick down a door. I looked <laughs> at him and I said, you've got about 30 seconds to unlock this door, and I'm kick, or I'm kicking it in. Nice. So he's like, no, 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 no. Sit down, sit down. You know, we've got to talk about this. So we sit back down and... He starts going, giving me all of these reasons not to give the painting back, you know, and things like he would say, how are you going to feel if the museum takes this painting and then they sell it for a hundred million dollars? How are you going to feel then? And I said, the same way I feel now. It wasn't ours. It's stolen. What does that matter? So he, he goes on for about another 15 minutes. So finally I said, okay, that's it. You need to answer me. Is the law enforcement welcome here or not? And he said, no. And I said, okay, give me my painting. And he said, no. And so I walked towards the door. I said, okay, I'm kicking the door in. And we got right to the point of me actually getting my foot up to kick the door in before he finally agreed to open the door. <sighs> and so I said, I'm taking the painting and we'll, we'll take it across the street to a friend's real estate office. And uh, we'll just cut you out of this whole thing. And so he said, no, no, no. I'll go ahead and I'll let the law enforcement come. So, uh, um, after, you know, a few more words being exchanged, I finally said to him, okay, you sit your ass here in your chair. When the museum gets here, I'll bring them in to talk to you and I'll introduce you. And right about almost exactly when that sentence ended, they showed up the, the museum. Little did I know that we were being listened to by the FBI. No. Wow. Yes. How did that happen? Yeah. They, they bugged. Uh, what? We didn't know it, but the FBI had been in town all day. And his place was surrounded. There were five cars, five SUVs 
around his office, and they had been there for hours. They were either listening in through our phones, or they had, you know, I like to picture one of those big bubble, you know, yeah. things. Uh, but but <laughs> when we've heard the whole story now, um, they said, they ended up telling us that it was this argument that I was having with a lawyer, um, and when I was screaming at him and telling him that, you know, the painting is going back, the painting is going back, that's when they called the museum people, who had been in Silver City for about an hour driving around. And said, Just "Okay, around. the guys are on your side. You guys can go pick up the painting now." Wow! So that's why they right at the end. Wow! wow. I've never been more jealous of a story in my life. <laughs> uh, and there's there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's the gist of it. Oh, that is an amazing story. Um, I have I have several oh, questions. So so what? Yeah. So how did it how did it go down with um the uh, the museum comes in and and what was their reaction when they first saw the painting for for the first well, we, time we in so actually, long. Because um, the, the, the party was still going on. Um, so when the museum arrived and we were told that the museum was there, uh, David and I went to the front door and walked out. And I immediately walked up to Nathan uh, Saxton, who had come with Olivia. And I opened my arms and I gave him a big hug because I wanted them to know that they were very welcome. Um, and he just kind of looked at me very strangely. I said, do you want to see her? And he said, oh, yeah. And I turned to Olivia and I gave Olivia a big hug and, and we walked them in and they came and walked through the party. It was very awkward because all these people's eyes were on them. Um, and we led Olivia first to the door of the conference room and she walked in and the painting was leaning up on the floor uh, and Olivia walked to the front of it. Nathan was immediately behind her and I walked around the conference table with my uh, video, my video camera recording her reaction and Olivia fell to the floor on her knees and she stared at the painting for a second. And the only way I can describe it was uh, there was this moment that she looked up and looked right into my camera and she was weeping, but it wasn't like just single tears. It was like water was running out of her eyes. And she looked at me and she said, holy effing shitballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. On my camera, I say to her, um, is that what you're going to say or something of that matter? And she says, not my official statement. <laughs> And we all laughed, and that broke some of the seriousness of the of what was happening. Um, at this point, all the museum staff had come in. Uh, law enforcement was at the door, and the party, all the members of the party were watching and recording. And um, quite honestly, we were all at that point just, I know I was crying because it was such an emotional moment. It was. Um, it was very, very powerful. The room was electric. Um, so we, we s sat in there with Olivia and Nathan just staring at the painting and pointing at little things. And, um, you know, they weren't able at that time to say, yes, this is it, um, officially. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's how it, you know, and it, it continued for hours more. Well, and one of the things that we, we didn't know is, um, for all of these, for the 32 years that the painting was missing, because I, I'm sure your listeners probably know the painting was actually cut from the frame during open hours of the museum. Yes. Um, well, for the last 32 years, the museum has kept the frame and the remnants of the painting that were, that it was cut from. Well, they brought that to silver city with them. Oh, very and, cool. um, so we didn't know that. So they, they, uh, brought it in. It was all crated. Like it was a piece of art. Um, and they, they brought it in and they opened it up and they put it on a conference table. And then they asked everyone to leave the room you know, all of the guests at the party. And so everyone started walking out, including Buck and myself. And they said, no, 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 
you two stay. And so um, we got to stay. They shut the door and then they took the um, painting itself and lined it up with the remnants that were in the frame and matched everything up. So we got to be there to watch them matching up, you know, all the cut marks and, and the paint splatters. And it was really cool. So that's, that's when she said, I'm telling you, this, this is it. I'm 100% sure, but, you know, I can't officially state that. Right. But, it, wow. but, but you saw it kind of fit together like a puzzle piece? Yes. Yes. Well, we saw it fit together. Um, one of the Olivia had asked me during this little exchange because they had put the painting and the frame close together. And she said, what's going to your mind, Buck? And I said, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed because this is the first time in 32 years that this painting has been so close to its frame. Um, and I was more, I had more emotions involved in that aspect that they would bring that frame. Cause to me, that frame was more valuable than, than the painting itself because of what it stood for hanging in the museum, you know, with this, this huge, horrible act that happened to it, you know, cut with a razor blade or a knife and the frame just hanging there empty with a little story saying, if you have any information, please contact the FBI or what have you. So that to me was a more powerful moment that, that they, brought that frame off the wall, packed it in a crate, brought it to New Mexico, and laid it out in front of us just for us to look at. It was a powerful moment. It was pretty cool. I got chills. Yeah, seriously. It's incredible. It was cool. It's fantastic. Um, Okay. My my first, my main question after hearing this story is why the conviction on giving the painting back? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I know for me, um, what I told the attorney that night after David had his battle with them, um, he said, Buck, you don't understand, uh, you know, the, the, the size of this, you know, he's saying you're what I had uh, likened it to was several months before this estate happened. I was walking out of Walmart and I guess I dropped my wallet and it had probably 60 bucks in cash in it. And um, I got a Facebook message from a complete stranger and said, hey, I have your wallet. And, you know, they returned my wallet with all its money, never asked for anything. Um, but that's the kind of energy that that surrounds our lives. Um, right. It, it's like um, the way I mean, the way we were all raised. What is the difference if it's a hundred dollar item or a hundred million dollar item? The only difference is, is the, the amount of the money. The and, you know, nothing else changes, just the amount of the money. And we're not money motivated. I mean, we I mean, we would love to have money, but <laughs> um, but you know, it's not the most important thing to us. And, and what's right is right. And on top of that, I'll tell you this, if you ever, ever get a chance to right such a wrong in the world as this, it's worth millions. It really is, you know? So it, it just was, it just, I don't know. It just was, it was the right thing to do. And, and we've had so much joy has come from this. It's like an emotional currency. Yeah, it, 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 you know, we still, you'll catch us every once in a while. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get choked up as will the museum people. Um, cause we've, we've had several, uh, events with them where, where all of us have gotten up on stage and kind of have told both of our stories at the same time, both sides. And inevitably somebody ends up choked up, um, still because it is, it's such an emotional thing and it's such a, a powerful thing. And, you know, we've gotten phone calls from all over the world. Yeah. Um, people just calling, just saying, thank you. That's you incredible. Know, just saying, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, but we, it, it just, 
it just was the right thing to do. Cut and dry. It just was the right thing to do. It reminds me of the time that uh, I lost my wallet outside of Walmart and it was returned and no one touched the $100 million that I kept in my wallet. That's it was right. still there. Exactly. That was me, actually. Yeah, oh. I just sent that back without ever telling you. That was nice you, of you. Can you give me some of that? We've, we've had multiple $100 million paintings that, <laughs> that have been stolen from us returned to us. So, you know. Right. This so, is just another day for you guys. So is is it fair to say that if you never lost your wallet that day in, in Walmart and never had it returned like that, would would a potentially a different outcome have crossed your mind here, or it was just... We probably would have gotten in touch with the black market and, and sold the painting, and <laughs> no, we'd no. be in the south of France by now. Right. No, it's... <laughs> Sipping wine, your brandy. Yeah. Right. Right. With you a know. big smile. Lighting right. your it's cigars. It's the butterfly effect. It's the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect. Yeah. We, um, no, we... I think we're like that in every aspect where right. like here in our community, we're all about community first. We try to help where we can, how we can. Um, it has nothing to do with the reward you're going to get back out of it. It has everything to do with, um, you know, I have this little saying that I tell my friends all the time and that's, you know, make a stranger smile. And that's just a powerful thing in and of itself. So this was just a, this was cool that it was such a global event because it really was. Um, I'm honored to be a part of it because it's, it's huge. It's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, yeah, it it really is incredible that the three of you so quickly decided to give it back with no money and you have no regrets that you did that. Was it was it even a conversation between the three of you or was it just an unsaid decision that, you know, well, we're obviously going to give it back because the three of you sound you sound very genuine. You sound like super cool guys would love to hang out with you. And it's it sounds, you know, it feels to me like you guys saw it and you're like, OK, there's no other option here. Yeah, there, it was it was definitely was... unsaid. It was it was an unspoken thing. We just we 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 all three know each other so well. We know how each other thinks. We all own the business. We all, um, you know, we all have our areas in the business. But but we all know each other so well. It it really didn't even need to be discussed. Um, after the phone call was made, we all were like, we all took a sigh and we're like, okay, you know, here it goes. And um, but no, we we. We didn't have to discuss it at all. We we just knew. This is a this is great. This is like uh, an empty frames Christmas Carol or something it like really, that. <laughs> you know, it's like it really is. It's like it's inspiring. You know, I hope I hope uh, you know people who have stolen artwork uh, are listening. Uh, other pieces of stolen artwork. And that was another thing. You know, we've had we had um, we've had friends come in and with their children and say, "I want you to tell our kids this story because I want I want." I want them to hear this from you. I want you to be an example. I mean, that kind of thing, that, that is just so touching to me. Gosh, you know, what can you say when, when you, know, you're, you get to be an example to somebody? I think yeah. that's pretty cool. And, you know, to my nieces and nephews and my other family members. And, you know. and, and we did get some pretty cool stuff from yeah. this. You know, we, got, um, we got recognized by the state of New Mexico and the state of Arizona. Uh, so we're written into both states' histories. Um, the microbrewery in Tucson, Tucson offered us all the beer we want nice. for free. That's incredible. That was really good. No, that's yeah. fun. that's fabulous. Um, we've had, uh, you know, for for our little town here in Silver City, what's been fun is is this story has brought a lot of business to downtown, which is a lot of fun from people that are from all over the world coming to see where the painting was. Um, that's kind of interesting. Like one of the business owners here came by and she gave us gift certificates to her restaurant just to say, thank you. It's, it's those little that's, small yeah, little things that, that, that means, that means 
Well, not quite a million dollars, but, <laughs> you know, but close. The world. It, no, that means everything to us. It really does. Um, here, Here's a weird question, right? So now if you decided to keep it or, or whatever, right? Kind of hypothetical? Yeah, a little hypothetical uh, game here. Like, how would you have gone out and tried to liquidize this? You know, I feel right. like we, we talk about this as a problem. It's like, oh, oh, the you know, like the FBI assumed you were just going to hop a plane to Mexico with the currency right. of this painting. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You, so, right. like, I'm, you have to liquidize it first. Do you have right, any right. thoughts on how you would do that? I, I, I don't because that's honestly that has never been a thought in my mind. Um, um, I, I've thought about, you know, what, it, what would it have been like to have – that kind of money, like when the lottery was ridiculous and I was out there buying five dollars worth of tickets just on the chance to win and saying, "Hey, God, I just gave away this painting. Come on, yeah. uh, you, you deserve it. That. Throw me a bone here. You deserve that. I'll tell you. I think. I think my thing would have been. I'm, I'm sure we probably could have tucked it away and probably. Um, uh, I don't know that many shady people, but I'm sure I probably could have. You know come up with something but you know then you spend the rest of your life looking over your shoulder and right. every time a car slows down you're wondering if it's the cops you know or or even worse if it's the irs you know yeah. so uh but that that that, yeah. that blows my mind because you have this incredibly unassuming and for what we understand to be uh you know not career criminals jerry and rita alter right they took this thing, and on some level, you have to give them credit just for the brazenness of it. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then they just hung it and looked at it. Like, they weren't trying to liquidate it. They kept it yeah, private. I, I, will say, I will say, like, we, we don't know 100%, but if it looks like a duck and smells like a duck, you know, and quacks like a duck, yeah. that whole saying. Um, but, we, but, you know, and that's just it, is, is um, I've... With what's great about Grant County and Silver City, New Mexico, and all your listeners should come visit. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> so there's, there's the plug for our little community. Um, and come to my store, Manzanita Ridge. Um, but what I loved about it was we're such a small and tight-knit community. Um, I immediately got a lot of people who were caregivers for the altars um, while she was sick before she passed who came to tell me some you know pretty fun stories about you know how how they were in the house and – because I always wondered, you know, if, if they did steal it and they had it in the house knowingly, how did they live with that? You know, um, so I wonder, I, I have these great little stories in my head for like writing a movie script. Of, like, what was it like, you know, for them to to take a painting and hang it in their house for all these years, knowing that it was worth a hundred million plus dollars? I, I don't. It, it, to me, that's just mind boggling. Well, and now, you know, um Again, we can talk about stuff that, that we haven't been allowed to talk about. And, and a lot of it is starting to make it to the media now. Um, but one of them is t the last few months of Rita's life, um, I think her mind was starting to go. And she started telling stories to the caregivers about the painting. Uh, most of them had never seen it before because it, the door was always open and it was hidden. And at the very end... Um, I think she might have known that, you know, that she was dying. But at the very end, I know one of the caregivers, the first time she saw the painting, which was just a few months before Rita died, she said, oh, man, that is one ugly painting. And Rita looked at her and said, if you had any idea of the value of that painting, you wouldn't think it was so ugly. <laughs> That's amazing. And then, and then another caregiver said that she told her the story 
um, that she said, see that painting there? That painting was my husband's and the school, she didn't say what school, she said the school had it and wouldn't give it back to him. So one day I sent my husband and my son to the school and they took the painting back. And so, so I think, I think they, you know, they, they knew, I mean, I, I think they were involved for sure. So how do you now approach the state sales? Do you, if you take it all Lance. Yeah. Do you, are you just like everything just will take everything? Yeah, pretty much. We'll take (laughs) everything, but we also like, because people will come in and they'll joke and say, do you have any more of those paintings found anything? And the overall consensus, I think, with the three of us in the store is we don't want another one. Well, yeah. we don't want another stolen one. We don't want another stolen one. I'll I will take, take another de Kooning. We'll take another I would, I would love to buy a, a locker full of 15, you know, de Koonings that Right. Yeah. We can give you a list of 13 stolen pieces of art and property from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. If you could just keep right. your eyes peeled for yeah. that. and uh, Just let uh, us we, know if they show yeah, up. Give us a ring. Detectives. You know, we are junior detectives now. The the FBI gave us little badges. Oh, no, nice. did they? And FBI mugs and an FBI drinking glass. So <laughs> my, we, my jealousy uh, is out of control right what, now. What about the key to the city? Yeah. Well, and we, we did get a, a makeshift key to the city from Silver City. Um, they did that. Yeah. Um, it's it's just been an adventure for I think all of us, and and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll end up finding that locker full of yeah. priceless paintings and. That'd be great. Unbelievable. I'm so jealous. Tim and I always talk about how yeah. we deserve the keys to cities, and we ask for them, and no one gives us keys We're to cities. We're owed so many keys. And we asked law enforcement to deputize us, and they actually made a joke. Yeah. and said, we'll send, They said, we'll send you some junior deputy stickers. Like, no, yeah. we, we want a badge. I, 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 got, I have a crawl space got, mug. I want these, an FBI mug. Yeah. <laughs> we got these little real, I mean, they're actual metal. They're not plastic. You know, these inch, inch tall Junior FBI badges and and our mugs and our hats and our drinking glass. It's like a sippy cup. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's like a sippy. So the anniversary of the of the theft is coming up. Do yes. you folks have anything planned for that? Um. Well, we're having a big Thanksgiving, and um, I think some of the museum staff is coming. They were all invited, but most had plans already. Um, we actually may have a celebrity guest who we, who met, uh, well, I'll just tell you. Well, we'll come. I mean, you, you don't have to beat around the bush. We'll, we'll come yeah, as your celebrity the, guest if you want. People, one of the perks that happened, uh, one day I was in the store and this woman walks in and, um, she is dressed really, um, kind of Southern California, Rodeo drivey kind of looking, which which is unusual in Silver City. And um, it turns out that it's the Aaron Brockovich. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. What, and, oh, the actual uh, lawyer did, or Julia Roberts? Uh, no, the, the actual. The actual oh, the very actual, cool. actual real Aaron real Brockovich. One. That's yeah. cooler than Julia Roberts. Way cooler. That's yeah. cooler than, I think so too. I yeah. think so. So turns out her sister lives here in Silver City, and um, she wanted to come in and meet us and talk to us about the painting. So, um, anyway, her, her sister and brother-in-law are friends of ours. We didn't know that Julia or that, uh, Aaron Brockovich was her sister though. Wow. Um, so anyway, we thought that was pretty cool. So we've invited them for Thanksgiving and, uh, she said, she asked if Aaron could come to Thanksgiving. So, um, we may have Aaron Brockovich for our 
for for the anniversary of the thing. But we do have um, there's a, a student movie student film crew that's coming up for Thanksgiving. They're going to film us having Thanksgiving um, and talk to us some about the painting on the anniversary of and and we may have some of the some of the museum people might be here. We just we just don't know yet for sure. But if they're watching and they hear that Aaron Brockovich is coming, they may change their plans and <laughs> join us. Can you please during Thanksgiving please? Pose like Jerry and Rita posed in that picture. Oh, oh absolutely! So I, I got yes. a, I've got a great story for you. We're gonna get Buck a wig. So this, you know, this he is could what be happened um, for for the anniversary of the return of the painting. The University of Arizona, actually, the museum, rather than celebrating it at the university, wanted to give some love back to Silver City. So they came all the way here with some members of the foundation to have a big party. So we hosted the party at our house, and one of our guests was our state representative uh, Rebecca Dow. And uh, as a host gift, she brought me, and I just thought it was the most clever thing in the world, that picture that you were holding up a little bit ago of Jerry and Rita. Mm -hmm. She she presented me with this box. Um, I'm also an actor, and I work out of Albuquerque and what have you. Um, but, yeah, so that picture that you're holding there. Uh, she brought me that wardrobe. Yep. <laughs> she, found right. me, yes. she found me the glasses. Yep. Uh, I'm bald, so she uh, she said you have to work on the wig yourself, but you're ready to play the role of Jerry Alter in the in the making of this film. Yep. So, any screenwriters out there? Yeah. Uh, contact us. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Have you been I'm so jealous? Have you been approached about the rights or anything? Um, no, I no, not no, we haven't. We've we've had a couple people talk to us about it. There's there's a a woman in New York that's writing a book. And she flew out and spent a week out here talking to us. Um, but there's been kind of distant rumbles of somebody wanting to do, you know, some kind of a movie or screenplay or, you know, or something. Um, but nothing really concrete. I'm telling you, Julia Roberts could play Rita. That's that's what what we said, you know. It's Manzanita Ridge Furniture and Antiques, and that is in Silver City, beautiful Silver City, New Mexico. 